is out. Natural learning is in. Hey there, I am Kelly Edwards, your host of this podcast and creator of the 90-Minute School Day. This is not your typical homeschooling podcast. Here, you will find out-of-the-box stories from the trenches, trainings, tools, and tips to guide you forward. Yes, I like alliteration. We will also share results and mindset shifts to support you in your journey of living and learning alongside your out-of-the-box neurodiverse kids. I'm so glad you're here. Strewing is a catalyst for de-schooling and observation. That is the biggest takeaway I hope that you get from today's podcast. Hello, wonderful homeschooling parents. Welcome back to a new season, season two of the 90 Minute School Day podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards, and as always, I'm excited to share insights and inspiration to help you on your homeschooling journey, especially with your neurodiverse family. Today's episode is close to my heart. It's a potential game changer for many of us on this unconventional educational path we'll be delving into the concept of strewing. This is a term that is familiar to those in unschooling circles, but often misunderstood outside of them, and sometimes even within. We are going to answer questions like, what is strewing and how do you do it? Why should it be something to consider? How does it relate to other educational philosophies inside the 90-minute school day, like Charlotte Mason's Laying the Feast and Dr. Montessori's Preparing the Environment? Plus, we'll address common misconceptions and questions around the practice of strewing. I'd like to segue into today's training by talking a little bit about cats. They rise early. They bring you gifts, often from outside. They love cardboard boxes. They destroy furniture. They knock things over. They particularly enjoy dirtying up fresh litter right away. Cats also stalk. I mean, they follow you around and enjoy being with you until they don't. Cats are independent and self-sufficient. They want their autonomy, but they also appreciate routine. They hold strong opinions and don't like being told what to do. Most of all, cats are curious and observant, just like us. As we talk about strewing today, I want you to keep your favorite feline in mind. And it's okay if your cat exposure is limited to Garfield. As you likely know, if you change things in a cat's environment, they take notice. They may startle at first, and then they get up close and investigate. They're curious, and it can sometimes end in a mess. But that is how they learn what the new item 
or material that has entered their domain is and how it works. It's the same concept for strewing for human beings. You are placing something in their environment to invite them to take notice and engage with it. No strings attached. Now that we've established this metaphor, let's dig into today's training. What is strewing? First off, let's define some terms. Strewing was coined by Sandra Dodd about 20 years ago in unschooling circles. And it was defined then as strewing is the art of casually placing interesting and intriguing materials into your child's path without any pressure or expectation. Strewing is about creating an environment where learning opportunities naturally present themselves and the child is free to explore based on their interests. Later in the podcast, we are going to expand strewing across four categories. These are space, time, relationship, and sensory. But before I break these down, let's continue to talk about some other educational philosophies that have a lot in common with strewing. As you know, I'm a big fan of Charlotte Mason, and she was a homeschool pioneer that talked often about laying the feast. This metaphor is about exposing children to rich and varied ideas, cultures, and experiences, just as a gastronomic feast that you would eat exposes you or your children to flavors, dishes, music, culture, and conversation. So this intellectual feast Charlotte is talking about gives us a lot of options to choose from, and we are able to pick and choose what we want to encounter when we have this intellectual feast laid before us as a child, teen, or adult. Something we can turn down at one feast may be something we choose to try at another, and this is an important concept I wanted to include, especially when we talk about strewing. The next educational philosopher that I really respect is Dr. Maria Montessori. And in her work, she emphasized preparing the environment for children. So what does that mean? This concept revolves around creating a carefully curated space that stimulates a child's natural curiosity and desire to learn. Children are wired to be drawn to beauty, order, novelty, and choice. The similarities and differences between these approaches are obvious, but we're going to talk about them briefly a little deeper. At their core, all three methods share a common thread, the belief that the child's innate curiosity and individuality intersects an environment, and all of that fosters natural learning. However, while Charlotte Mason and Maria Montessori focus on a more structured approach, strewing is all about spontaneity and discovery. So there are approaches for everyone. 
construing is a catalyst for de-schooling and observation. That is the biggest takeaway I hope that you get from today's podcast. So I'll say it again. Strewing is a catalyst for deepening your de-schooling and your practice of observation. It's a fantastic tool. To explain this further, the action of strewing is a way to deepen de-schooling because it allows the child full autonomy to engage or not, and they can engage in any way they want, as long as it's safe. The adult's job is to observe and notice patterns. Let's break this down a bit by discussing what strewing is and what it isn't. So, we'll start with what strewing is. Strewing is simple. Strewing leaves interesting or stimulating materials in the environment to encourage curiosity and exploration. Strewing is also child-led. This means when we strew something, we are allowing the learner to explore that item or experience at their own pace, in their own way. And this respects the learner's autonomy and curiosity. Strewing is also interest-based, which means we are exposing individuals to a variety of items and ideas based on their interests. Strewing is also about discovery. And when we strew things, it encourages the joy of discovery because it presents learners opportunities to stumble upon new interests and new ideas. Strewing is also natural. It brings novelty to the environment. It supports the natural development of skills and knowledge by, you guessed it, engaging curiosity. The last thing that strewing is for today is respectful. Strewing facilitates self-driven learning on your child's terms. So that is what strewing is. Now let's talk about what strewing isn't. Strewing is not forced. It is not about engagement for a specific outcome or trying to trick the learner into learning something specific or something that they're not interested in. Similarly, strewing is not baiting or bribing. This indicates you have an expectation of an outcome. Strewing is also not time specific. It is not bound by a specific schedule or time frame. Instead, it allows for a flexible learning experience that the learner can choose to engage in or not. And if they choose not, it doesn't mean that this something is not something that they may approach differently in the future. Strewing is not instruction. This one commonly gets mixed up. It isn't adult-directed, dictated, even energetically. So we really have to watch what our intentions are behind the strewing. The last thing that strewing is not is strewing is not a mess. It isn't synonymous with clutter or chaos. That might turn into the end result, but it doesn't start off that way. Strewing is thoughtful and strategic. It is a placement of items that align with an individual's interests and skill level, not overwhelming them with unrelated materials.
Do you like learning with me on the podcast? Consider joining the waitlist for guide training. This cohort coaching series meets twice a year in the fall and spring. We gather here together, learning in community to be a guide, not a teacher. Guides don't do it for you. They help you do it for yourself. Guides go with you. Guides lead when it gets tricky and confidence is lost. They hold your hand when you need it. They walk beside you in relationship. Guides follow and cheer you on as you lead the way. Get the guidance you need to guide your homeschool. Learn more about guide training and join the waitlist by clicking the link in the show notes. So why should I consider strewing? What makes it an effective tool in homeschooling? Well, there's neuroscience behind it. When children are free to explore topics that genuinely interest them, their brains are more engaged and receptive to learning. It's like planting seeds of curiosity that naturally grow a love for learning. Strewing is that open invitation with no strings attached that deepen learning by self-discovery and self-motivation to explore one's own curiosity. Benefits from strewing include many things. I've collected a list of 10 for today and a bonus. Number one, a benefit of strewing is expanding knowledge. Strewing sparks curiosity and interest for a wide range of topics. By leaving diverse materials in the environment, individuals are more likely to encounter something that will pique their interest, that will then foster more exploration and deepening of knowledge. Number two, a benefit of strewing is that it encourages self-directed learning. Strewing empowers individuals to take charge of their own learning journey. They can choose to explore or not based on their own interests that day at that time and their preferences. This fosters a growing sense of autonomy for your child. Strewing also builds confidence. It creates an environment conducive to exploration. Individuals are more likely to engage with new ideas, concepts, or activities when they encounter them naturally in their surroundings. The fourth benefit of strewing is it develops critical thinking skills. Exposure to a variety of materials through strewing encourages critical thinking and problem-solving skills. Your children may need to analyze information with the strew, they may make connections, and think creatively about what they're encountering and how they can expand, engage, and manipulate that material. The fifth benefit is to cultivate a love for learning. Strewing contributes a positive and enjoyable learning experience because the child is the one in control. When individuals discover interesting materials on their own, they develop a genuine love for learning that extends beyond traditional educational settings. The sixth benefit is tailored learning. Strewing allows for a personalized and tailored approach to learning. Each person can explore what resonates with them, and the learning process becomes more aligned with the individual's preferences and needs.
The seventh benefit is strewing promotes flexibility and adaptability. Strewing encourages adaptability as individuals learn to navigate and make use of the resources made available to them. This can be particularly beneficial in developing the ability to learn in different environments and through various methods. You will see this employed if you have more than one child because they are keen observers in how their siblings encounter items, which furthers their own understanding of what they can do with those things. The eighth benefit is fostering a growth mindset. Strewing supports the development of a growth mindset where individuals see challenges as opportunities to learn and grow. The diverse materials encountered through strewing can present both familiar and unfamiliar concepts in a safe space, promoting the mindset of potential and possibilities. The ninth benefit is strewing provides data on personal development. This is one of my favorites. As we strew for our children, we are gathering information because we are observing how our child engages with these materials over time. The tenth benefit of strewing is it deepens de-schooling. As we learn to release expectations and lower the demands for ourselves and our kids, we observe that learning is taking place which builds our own confidence and enables us to relax more into the natural learning lifestyle. Our bonus benefit for strewing today is the benefit for the parent. The benefit is time and or presence. Less is more. What I mean by this is that strewing helps us as parents declutter our space, calendars, and brains so that we can be more naturally present with our child. Be intentional about timing when you strew. Be flexible with either way your child may choose to accept the strew. If they don't choose to accept the strew also. If we strew just to give ourselves some time alone, this is going to set you up because you have an expectation for time alone, and that's going to be frustrating for you. So when you strew, have a plan to strew and be okay with being involved in the strew or not. Sometimes our children want us to experience it with them. In other words, being intentional means having a plan B in case the strew does include you. Either way you win, you win with presence with your child, being included and experiencing it with them, or your child is involved by themselves and you have a little time to yourself. So I want to make sure that we can look at strewing through both of those lenses, and that's the benefit for the parent. I'm sure at this point you're wanting some examples. So we are going to jump into those today in today's tool, how to strew. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I like to think of strewing in four categories, and I break down these categories by environment. I use these four categories to help new clients envision how, how simple strewing truly is. 
So without further ado, they are number one, space. This is just the physical environment. And it's the most common way to strew. It's usually how people are talking about strewing. It is simply placing something physical and visible in the environment to encounter. The second environment, as it pertains to strewing categories, is time, present or future. We can strew in the present or in the future. As discussed earlier, it's important to be watchful on the time frame expectation you may unintentionally put on a strew. Allow time for the child to enter flow and have a plan B for yourself in case the child invites you to participate. This can be saying yes and giving a time boundary or being more flexible. Base this on how your child is doing that day at that moment. The third category as we think of strewing and environments is relationship. So relationship is simply involving another person. Don't forget that you are your child's favorite plaything. So if you are doing something and it might look a little fun or interesting, that is often a strew for your child to join in. It can also be conversations or ideas shared with that child. The fourth category of strewing is sensory or experiences. These are experiences you can place in the environment or strew conversationally. So now that we've established these categories, let's list some examples in each to get you started. You can also find this list in the show notes to download and print off as an easy strewn reminder from me to you. Do you enjoy listening to other homeschoolers share their stories and ask their questions? If you're like me, this is how you find new resources and perhaps experience new revelations. It is my deepest desire to share your story and your arrival to homeschooling, the struggles you've experienced, and also why you're still homeschooling. I'd love to elevate your family's unique learning journey for all of us to hear and learn from. I truly believe we have more in common than we have differences, and sharing our individual struggles and strengths is a way we can grow in empathy and understanding of one another, perhaps even inspiring a new avenue of learning to embark on in our own learning lives. So let us hear from you. Click the link in the show notes and leave me a voicemail and be part of a future episode. The first category we're going to break down is space, the physical environment. Here are seven ideas. Number one, books in strategic locations. Just strew interesting books on various subjects around the house to encourage curiosity. Swap them often or just leave a book open on a table or a bed and see what happens. Number two, educational games, i.e. board games. Place a board game in a common area to spark interest and learning through play. I leave the game out. Sometimes I actually take the top of the box off. And if it's simple, I'll just set it up and leave it out. So those are three ways I strew board games. Number three, blocks or Legos 
any kind of construction material that's made up of a lot of loose parts. An easy way to strew these is to leave a partial build. So for example, I might build a tower of blocks and leave the box of blocks next to it. Or I may start to build something out of Lego, and it can be very rudimentary and simple. But it kind of gives the invitation and the cue to the child of what this opportunity is offering. Or you could even strew a new set of said building materials. Number four for space in the physical environment as an example of strewing would be art supplies. And this is a super easy one as well. So keep art supplies easily accessible for creative expression. I'm sure you already do. And one of my favorite things to do is to tape butcher paper onto our coffee table surface. And I leave out some coloring utensils. It might be crayons, colored pencils, markers. It's really hard for my kids to resist this. It's successful with my teenager all the way down to my kindergartner. Also, when we think about art supplies and strewing, don't dismiss the power of a fresh notebook or a stack of construction paper, glue, and scissors. Strewing supplies with items from our recycling bin are other favorites in my house. And remember our cat metaphor? Boxes, cardboard boxes. Cats like them, and so do kids. There aren't many kids that can resist a big cardboard box and some markers. Number five for the example of strewing in space, the physical environment, is simply to clean a space. Sometimes strewing is just creating order by cleaning up. I don't know how it works at your house, but the minute we clean up a play space, either their rooms or our playroom, the kids seem to gravitate straight to finding something new to play with and messing it back up. This goes back again to that cat metaphor. If you have a cat or you're familiar with them, you know that as soon as you clean the litter box, they're very happy to hop in there and use it. So kids and cats like to use freshly tidied spaces. The sixth idea I have for you for strewing in physical spaces is scientific tools. We think about microscopes, telescopes, magnifying glasses, pipettes, maybe even a, a critter container or a butterfly net. Leave these in areas where they can be explored. I like to put a magnifying glass with a bowl of nature items and leave it on the floor or a table, maybe a bowl of shells or something that we've collected on a walk. Another idea is to place a magnifying glass on the table with a dead bug from the windowsill or a dead bug in the critter container. You get the idea. This can be your science lesson for the day. Just a little simple scientific strew. Again, no expectations on if they will participate or not. Number seven, the last example I have for you today on strewing in physical spaces is puzzle stations. You can set out a puzzle, which would be like a jigsaw puzzle or a wooden block puzzle for your younger kids to promote problem solving skills. These can also be 3D puzzles or puzzle books, activity books that your child might be interested in. Our second category for strewing is time, present and future. So what are some examples of time for strewing? I have three for you. The first one is calendar events. So you can highlight upcoming events. You can talk about them at the table or in the car during your daily life conversationally. You can mark out holidays that are coming up. 
or special occasions and see if they spark some interest. That is a conversational time strew of something coming up in the future. Another idea of something you can strew with time is project ideas. We really enjoy our family meetings. We have them regularly, but they do kind of move around and we ebb and flow. We're more regular sometimes and not as regular other times, but that's just my family. So when we think about project ideas, you can suggest and strew conversationally some long-term projects or experiments that could be started at any time. And if there's interest, you can go ahead and place those on the calendar coming up. You may not have time that day, but you can find a day with your child that you will explore those things. And that's a common way I will take something when my child strews to me. One of my daughters comes up with ideas all the time, and we just can't do them all in one day. So I'll say, I love that idea. It's such a good one. Let's find a time and a day where we can make that happen. So that's an example of project ideas as it pertains to the environment of time, that second category of strewing. The third example I have for you for time is future outings. And so future outings are maybe some options you have for trips or excursions, meeting friends. This can build anticipation and interest for your child. It can be long-term, mid-term, or or short-term, depending on the neurotypes in your home. It can be simple all the way to complex. Our third category for examples on strewing is relationships. And again, this involves another person. I have four examples for you on the category of relationship when strewing. Number one is shared hobbies. You can engage in activities you enjoy and see who else joins in and explore new interests. I love to garden and my kids will often join me at least for a little bit when I go outside to do some gardening. Another thing to notice is others' interests your learners join in as well. So again, this goes back to the sibling idea where perhaps one of your children is always joining another one of your children's interests. That's good information for you to know that that's a developing interest of theirs. The second example of how to strew in the category of relationship is shared labor. Watching you cook, vacuum, wash dishes, or fold laundry can be a strew, especially if you seem to be enjoying yourself. This is more about being with you, of course, than the actual chore. If your children ask to join you, even though it slows you down, invite them in. You never know what kind of conversations may come from this strew of you and making the time to be present with your child. The third example I have for you and how to strew in the category of relationship is storytelling. When we share our stories, our daily happenings, perhaps remembrances or ideas, This is a great way to invite curiosity and discovery by simply having daily conversations. And homeschooling provides a lot of opportunities for conversations. The fourth and final example I have for how to strew in the category of relationship is daily trivia. Share interesting trivia or facts to stimulate curiosity. Again, we're just strewing it out there and see what happens. This is how we can develop a lot of new interests by simply wondering based on a little bit of trivia or a joke or a riddle. 
In our home, we use several websites that I've saved into my phone that we can refer to often. They are This Day in History, Word of the Day, this, The Sky This Week, and The National Holiday Calendar, just to name a few. I've included them in that printout on strewing if you want to get that from the show notes. The final category of examples for strewing is sensory or experiences. I have five of these for you. The first one is outdoor adventures. This can be anything that happens in the outdoors. Nature walks, hikes, outdoor explorations to engage the senses. What's cool about engaging in the outdoors is nature does the strewing for you. For example, today on a walk with my middle daughter, we found a turtle and we watched four hawks mating in the sky. Those are some epic strews and conversations about reptiles and brumation as they leave their dormant states and how spring brings mating and birds and eggs and nests. And all of that was provided by nature who is strewing these animals across our path. The second example I have for you for sensory is music exposure. Play a variety of musical genres and styles in your home. This gives everyone a sensory auditory experience and can invite a lot of questions about instruments, culture, genres, artists, tempo, beat. You get the idea. Or you can just enjoy it. The third example I have for you for strewing with sensory are sensory bins. There are a zillion types of sensory bins you can Google online to set up for your children. Choose a simple one with items you already have around the house. My kids love a bin full of rice or other pantry staples like dried corn, lentils, dry pasta. One of my children loves to get some great proprioceptive input by eating the dried pasta as she plays. And then throw in some loose parts. These are just little toys or blocks they have lying around the house, game pieces. Baking soda and vinegar, anyone? This is always a great strew. Or how about shaving cream on a cookie sheet? These are simple items that you can set out that are pretty hard to resist for most kids. The fourth example for sensory is obstacle courses. These are fun to set up or have the child set up as a verbal invitation. Inside or outside, these get creative, silly, and loud. The fifth and final example I have for sensory is to notice art from graffiti, hand-knit sweaters, music, picture books, museums, galleries, statues, TikTok dances. Art is all around us. So notice aloud when you see art out in the natural environment and share to stimulate external senses. And please, please, please remember that the key to strewing is no pressure for you or your child. And that includes your energy and intention. It isn't about directing your child's learning, but rather creating an environment where they can discover and pursue their passions organically. Successful strewing is to make the environment inviting and the activities enjoyable. It is this that encourages the natural exploration and continued curiosity of your learner. 
we get close to closing, let's answer some common questions I often hear about strewing. I have six of them. The first one is, I've put out the toys I've seen other parents do, but all my child does is climb, run, or throw. All right, so for this parent, what I would recommend without more information is that this child seems to be in a stage of development where they are seeking physical play and sensory integration. Physical play and sensory integration. So I would offer him or her a lot of heavy work. This gives their joints input that helps regulate their sensory system. And this can include jumping, sweeping, shoveling, or crashing. So you can strew items that encourage big moves, like those obstacle courses we were talking about in the sensory category of strewing. Or you can go outside, which is again in the sensory category of strewing, and allow your child to climb and swing. So when we see kids sensory seeking with big moves and and a lot of physical activity, we really want to give them what their bodies are naturally doing. And so we can give options via strewing in these areas. The second question I commonly get is how often should I be strewing? And this is dependent on you and your kids. It can be as little or as often as you like and they like. So strewing is an option in your toolbox and you get to decide. It can be especially helpful with younger kids or kids in a life transition or when you just feel stuck or burnt out. But don't strew if it is stressful or hard for you. Wait for a season when it's something that you can engage with without expectation. The third question I commonly get is having a child who is easily frustrated or doesn't have interest in the strew that the parent has put out. So in this case, we want to notice what the child is not interested in. So if the strew is unsuccessful, take a note of it. And if a child is frustrated with an item that you've strewn, notice what happened right before the frustrated moment. This gives you information on their frustration tolerance and you can look for patterns. Is it just that day or is it something consistent? This can give you information on something like fine motor skills if your child needs a little bit more attention in this area. So when a child is easily frustrated with a strew or doesn't have interest, the lack of interest and frustration is not failure. We need to reframe that. It is learning for both you and your child and that observation is key. You can try other items in different categories than the one you've been operating out of. And depending on your child and their neurotype, some toys may be perceived as a demand. Maybe they're too structured and only have one way to interact with them. In this instance, you will want to look for more open-ended objects to put out that don't really have a clear direction on what you're to do with them. In all of this, notice your own frustration. And if strewing is causing you stress, drop it for a time. Your child may actually be picking up on that. No expectations of outcome is super crucial for strewing. I keep repeating that for a reason. Another common question I get is number four. My child does not play with the toy the way it is supposed to be played with. So this is very similar to the last common question. 
But what I'd like to say here is congratulations. You have an out-of-the-box creative thinker. Playing and exploring in unique ways inspire new ideas and new perspectives. Instead of focusing on the correct, air quotes, ways, embrace their creativity. Lean into what they're showing you and strew open-ended conversations. That's a relationship strew around the combinations of items that they have shown you and allow for different interpretations. Number five for common questions on strewing. What ages should I be strewing for? Can I strew for my teen? This is such a good question. Strewing is for all ages. Somehow you found this podcast. Was it strewn to you via email, social media, or your podcast feed? Did someone send it to you? Somehow it entered your visual, physical environment at some point, and you chose to engage with it in your own time. So strew for your teens in all categories. Number six. This is the last common question I'm going to answer today. Sigh. My child easily abandons all activities. First of all, I want to notice the language that we use. When we say all or always or never, this typically comes from a place of burnout and overwhelm on our part. So let's just take a moment and notice this with this parent, and we've all been there. So when our child easily abandons activities, this can be for various reasons, and it's all okay. A couple things that we can do in this scenario is to leave the strew out longer, again, that's a time category, to see if they return to it. And if not, then just make a note of that particular strew that was abandoned or not engaged with and keep offering different strews from different categories, as long as you have the bandwidth to do so without expectation. Be observant and notice what pulls the child away. Are they being distracted by noise or movement or another child? If so, consider adding noise-canceling headphones to the strewed item, or consider a different location that is less noisy and active. Also, I'd like to point out that children who have had a lot of their time directed by adults or spent significant time in the school system do have shorter attention spans, and it will take some time to build the muscle to get into flow, and that can take time. So just be patient and continue offering strews and observing your child. At the end of the day, strewing is a tool for you to choose to use or not. And it's something that your child can choose to engage in or not. That's all it is. It's just a tool to help you observe and to continue to de-school your mindset. Speaking of mindset, let's dig into our mindset moment for today. If you are comfortable, repeat after me. I am moving from performance to process in my approach to learning. I am shifting my focus away from achieving specific outcomes 
and towards valuing the process of exploration, presence, and self-awareness. Strewing encourages my child to engage with activities at their own pace, promoting a love for learning rather than fixating on measurable achievements. Thank you, dear listener, for joining me on this journey into the world of strewing. I hope this episode has sparked your curiosity and inspired you to embrace the art of strewing in your homeschool. Before we part ways, I want to ask for your support in spreading the word about the 90-Minute School Day podcast. If you found value in today's episode or any prior ones, would you please take a moment to leave a review and rate the podcast on your favorite platform? Your feedback is invaluable and helps others discover the insights and inspiration shared here. Don't keep this treasure trove of knowledge about strewing to yourself. Share this episode with your friends, fellow homeschoolers, or anyone that might benefit from the discussions we have on this episode and others. Let's build a community of like-minded individuals who are passionate about creating enriching learning environments for our children. Thank you for partnering in this way with this community. As we wrap up, remember that strewing is not just an educational tool. It's a mindset shift that fosters a love for learning. Keep strewing those seeds of curiosity and watch the blooms of exploration and discovery unfold in your homeschooling journey. Until next time, happy strewing and may your homeschooling days be filled with joy, curiosity, and the beauty of natural learning.